This is the More Than Fitness Podcast with Matt McLeod. All right, motherfuckers, this is the third time I've tried to record this podcast. Um, this is just a little bit harder than I thought it would be, or maybe I'm just, I'm, I've drank too much already, but uh, yeah, man, I'm going to attempt to do this Q&A drunk cast that I said I was going to do, and I'm, I'm currently not in the Silly Goose Studios in my closet. I am actually downstairs in my parents' basement so if you hear any audio issues or anything like that uh that is what it's from i've been here for the memorial day holiday and been spending time with them and uh really just enjoying myself to be honest and i figured that doing this little drunk cast thing would be something fun to do it'd be fun for me it'd be fun for you guys if you guys have questions um and you can listen to me try to put together coherent sentences um all right Let's uh let's let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get into this. We're gonna I've got my I've got my little bit of a bourbon here. It's eleven twenty nine PM currently on a Tuesday, so uh dude good man. <laughs> this is uh this is my job. This is what my life has come to. But um uh, anyway, here we go with the drunk the the drunk cast QA. All right. First question is from my man, Daniel, and he says, Hey Matt, I've been reading up about stoicism. As you know, one of the themes is around discipline over motivation. Do you think motivation is short term and how do you just get shit done? Uh, I've known Daniel for a while now, actually. And so shout out to Dan. He's been following my stuff. Um, for quite some time. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate all your support. And I also appreciate that you've looked into stoicism. He listened to my uh, next to last podcast with um, with Jorge Rosado. And we talked about stoicism in that podcast and it got him intrigued. And so he looked up some stuff on it. And I'm super happy that he did because I'm a big believer in stoicism. And for, for people that don't know, stoicism basically teaches you how to control your behaviors and your emotions without acting impulsively. Uh, so, so you can only act on what can be acted on. And it's, it just shows you how to control your emotions, think a little bit more logically, and just really just kind of puts things into perspective. Um, it, it's something that I've learned over the years, and I highly, highly recommend it. I think Tim Ferriss has a really great blog article on this. So just type in stoicism, Tim Ferriss, and it'll pop up. And And two other books on this that are actually really good are by Ryan Holiday, and it's The Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy. Oh, actually, another one is The Daily Stoic. That's, that's one of his other newest books. Um, but they're all really, really good, and I highly recommend them. But to his question, he says, do you think motivation is short-term and how you just get shit done? Uh, and, and talks about discipline over motivation. I think the biggest thing here is that motivation is just a feeling, you know, like it, it's, it's just a feeling of us actually desiring to do something that will put us ahead. Uh, it, it'll make our future selves happy. But the, the thing is, is that with, with motivation where it is just a feeling, uh, it, it comes and goes 
And if you don't have something to kind of spark that motivation, you're, you're never going to just always be motivated to do things. Uh, so I think the, the biggest thing here is to try and take even the smallest bit of action towards whatever you, it is you're trying to accomplish because, or, or even for me, a big thing is momentum and me just cleaning my room in the morning. Like if I've, if I know I've got a big, uh, uh, article to write, or I've got a lot of client programs I've got to get to, and I'm just really procrastinating on it. Like I I am a big momentum person and I will make sure that my room, like I, I, my room will be the first thing that I'll go to because this is something small that I can organize and I can get motion. Uh, Just moving around makes me feel better. And, and I know that I'm getting something done and, and cleaning your room. The thing about cleaning your room is that it's usually depending on how uh, shitty it looks, uh, it's going to have an endpoint. And after you reach that endpoint, after you folded your clothes, you put your clothes away, you made the bed, uh, you've wiped off your desk or, or whatever. Uh, after you get done with those small things, it one your your space in general, your your whole uh, whatever it is, your aura or your aurora, whatever. Um, you, you just feel better because everything is clean around you. Uh, and then from there, you can kind of try and keep this momentum going and go straight into work. So don't don't clean your room and then just sit there and then get on Instagram. Like go from one event to another. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. And Obviously, w- with motivation, uh, it definitely is going to be short term, but you've, you've, you've got to do what you got to do. Uh, you know what you need to get done each day. So making even just a small list of your priorities that you want to get done for the day, that can be something huge because you have something tangible in front of you that you need to get done. And whenever you get done with it, you can cross it out. But if you're writing these things down each day and then at the end of the day, uh, you know, you keep seeing one or two things that aren't done. You only got one thing done uh, and it might even not be the most important thing. Then you're, you're not making the progress that you need to, to make. And, and this is where having something as simple as a sticky note can be so helpful because you can actually have a scoreboard to see how well you're doing. So each day uh, I'll put my three priorities and, and that's the main thing that I look at. And I start with the first most important uh, and then I and then I go from there. But uh, you you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes if you need to watch a, a motivational video or something like that, like, man, fuck it. Like, I, I still even do that sometimes. So watch a motivational video and then you just have to promise yourself after that, uh, you, you get to work. All right, let's see. Number two, what's one piece of advice that has stuck with you for years uh, and years and that you'll always remember? It can be about anything, life, fitness, nutrition, Etc. Okay. So I thought about this one for a while. And honestly, there was no big piece of advice that really stuck out to me besides something like me reciting some type of quote or something in a book. Like those are cool and all, but more than anything, it's not exactly a piece of advice. It's more of my how I was raised, basically, Um, how my parents raised me and the examples that my parents set for me as a child and to this day. Um, Yeah, it's just it's, it's more so by example. And I think the biggest thing 
that they have shown to me that I think everybody can take note of is simply treating other people with respect and treating other people how you would want to be treated and treating other people how they want to be treated. Um, but with the caveat of still doing this, even if they don't deserve it, you know, like with my parents, it's just, they, they help out so many different people, whether it's with the community, with the local church, um, whether it's with, with me and my siblings, uh, cousins, uncles, aunts, uh, people that may or may not deserve their gratitude and um, their uh, willing to give, their compassion. Uh, gratitude was not the right word, but their compassion and their um, will, yeah, their willingness to give to people, even if they don't deserve it, even people that have wronged them or people that have um, talked ill of them. They, it's just my my mom is the is the kindest person in the world, and my dad, uh, he he's also just a, a super great guy. But his his is more so like his work ethic. My dad owns his own business. Uh, he he's been in the he owns a body shop, an auto body shop. So he works on cars, and he didn't go to college, but he's been working in his business, McLeod's Body Shop, uh, for the past like thirty or forty years, and it's just it's super. Um, it's just super admirable how they live their lives, honestly. And it's rubbed off on me, just the way that they treat people, uh, regardless of if they deserve that treatment or not. Uh, it doesn't matter. They're just, they're, they're always kind and they will hardly ever speak ill, uh, uh, of anybody else. So, so yeah, it's, it's not exactly a piece of advice. It's more so how I was raised, um, and, and how I have tried to mimic and give back, uh, to my parents for giving me uh, such a great life uh, up until this point. All right, the next question. Real quick, get a little sip here. That was a little uh, emotional, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get a sip and we're gonna get back into this fun time here. All right, do you think Instagram is a time waster? Where do you draw the line? Wasting your, uh, in parentheses, it says wasting your life looking at others' others' lives. Um, I absolutely think think that Instagram is a time waster, uh, and I'm a prime example, honestly, of Instagram being a time waster because I waste time on it literally like every day. Uh, however, I think if you're aware of your time spent on Instagram, what you're doing there. Uh, and you're actively trying to set limits around it, you'll be fine. I think if, I think it's the main thing. It's just like with, with eating or diet or whatever, uh, a lot of people eat shitty every single day and they're, they're not even really conscious of, of what they're doing and, and, and the effects that it's having. But with something like Instagram, I think if you're aware of how long you're spending on it each day, how long you're um, not doing something that you should be doing and you're on Instagram instead. And also the people that you follow is super important to consider because if you're following a ton of people that you're not 
feeling great after you see their post, you're, you're like something needs to be changed there. Uh, lots of times it can be like whatever, old friends, old high school friends, just people that you've been following for a long time or people that you're like, oh, I need to whatever, keep up with their lives uh, or something like that. Or it could be celebrities or uh, models or whatever. Just there, there can be so many different instances where you just feel shitty after you read someone else's post and it could be negativity. You could be comparing yourself to their um, body or their success or what they have or, uh, you know, whatever. But something along those lines, if it's not making you happy as you scroll through or interested or intrigued or, uh, you know, whatever, uh, any positive emotions, if it's not eliciting those effects, then you need to reconsider following those people. So I do think that Instagram is a time waster. Uh, however, I think if you actively manage it, uh, it's totally fine. Uh, and Instagram has, as far as my business has been amazing. Uh, and, but also it, it just brings me a lot of happiness and joy, uh, to be honest, because I like keeping up with other people in the industry or my friends or even just random accounts that I follow that I, that I'm interested in. I think that people put out a lot of great content on Instagram that's easily digestible. Uh, and it, it's, you, it's just a scroll away. Um, but of course this can be, this can be really tricky, but Instagram brings me a lot of joy. And I think as long as I'm aware of what I'm doing and how I'm using it and striving to at least manage it a little bit better every single day, then I, I think I'm on the right track. All right. Let's go to the next. All right. An Indian guy asks, uh, when you decided to join the fitness industry, did you ever feel apprehensive about not pursuing a regular job that could provide the assurance of financial security? What should people do if faced with a similar question for any field or profession? It's a really great question. I would say, first off, like, of course I was scared. I, I, I would be completely inaccurate if I said that I wasn't scared about the financial security of this job. And I'm still super scared of it. I think that's why uh, I, I've saved up as much money as I have, just because I never want, I knew that going into my career, I never wanted money to be an issue. So I was I was going to save what I could and I was going to invest back into my business and I was going to buy very, very little unnecessary stuff. I took a very minimalistic approach to how I spent my money. Um, and that being said, I also didn't feel as though my career path was a huge risk. I saw my career not as a risk, but it was the only way to do, uh, uh, it, it, it was the only way for me to do what I wanted from the time that I woke up to the time that I went to sleep and also um, provide for myself and my future family. Uh, this was, it wasn't a risk to me because I knew what I wanted out of my life. I knew that uh, it was kind of, all planned out from the beginning. I didn't know if it was going to work, 
but I knew that, okay, I'm good at this. I'm good at the, the training and nutrition stuff. I understand it. Uh, and I know that there's this path here that I can take. And if I put in the work and if I really give it everything that I have, then I know that I'll be able to make something out of it. And if I'm not, this is why I also didn't see it as a risk because I went and got my RD credential. And so with the RD credential, I could work as a registered dietitian uh, at a hospital or at a school or wherever. So I knew that I always kind of had this as a fallback in case my coaching career didn't really take off. So I didn't see it as a risk. It was more of a, it was more of a calculated risk, but I knew that if it failed, I did have an escape. And uh, a lot of whatever purebred entrepreneurs would look down on this and, you know, um, they say you should go all in or, or whatever, but I think it's not that simple. Like you have to take calculator risks or else it's going to come back to bite you. And you also have to think about, you also have to think about how many other pillars there are to a great career as opposed to financial security. And that's, I think the main thing. I'm not trying to like get rich off of this shit or anything like that. And it's, it's very difficult to do so. H however, I do want to not have to worry about money, but I also think about, uh, you know, a job is going to be a big indicator of where you live. Uh, so how, how close do you are, uh, how close are you to your family or how close are you to your friends? Uh, are you able to live around them or does your job require you to go somewhere else? Um, who do you work with? This is something else that's huge. I mean, you're going to see these people every day for hours a day. Uh, so who you work with makes a big impact on your life as well. Uh, where you work. So flexibility for me is, is huge. I want to have the freedom of I just need a Wi-Fi connection. If I have the Wi-Fi connection, uh, I, I'm good to go. Um, and then fulfillment, of course, helping others, creating content, uh, uh, being able to do what I want to do from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. That's, that's huge for me. Um, and also growth. So what's the ceiling on your growth? Are you stuck at a salary per year or are you able to build on top of that and do other things? That's another huge thing to consider. But that's a really, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, the next one is from Hallie, I believe is how you see it. Maybe it's Haley. Um, Hallie, why do people purposefully arch their back in what looks like a very uncomfortable manner when they do bench press? Um, that's a, it's a good question. Uh, it's, it's simply for, uh, safety purposes. So it allows you to puff out your chest a little bit more and, and it allows you to uh, retract your scapula. Wow, here we go. It allows you to retract your scapula and externally rotate your shoulders. Um, and, and it just puts your shoulders in a little bit safer position compared to if your back was completely flat on the ground. It also allows for a little bit more stabilization um, and it decreases the range of motion, which is also huge. So it decreases the distance traveled from the top of the movement to the bottom of, your, of the movement if you uh, arch your back. 
Um, all right, let's see. The next question is from Kyle. Kyle says, um, essentially he says that his problem is that he's been so ingrained with progressive overload uh, that he thinks he needs to constantly increase the weight reps or sets every single session, every single session. He's been lifting for four years now, and this has been a real bit of anxiety for him, actually. Uh, so if he's not able to hit five to, ten, five to 10 pounds more on his deadlift from the week before, he feels like the workout is a failure. And this is simply just not understanding that there's so many different ways that can be considered progressive overload. Uh, so increasing your weight is 100% a way to progressively overload, uh, but also increasing just one set from the week before or keeping all the sets and reps the same or, or and just getting one extra rep on another set. I think you need to not think so large as far as increasing the weight five to 10 pounds per week uh, and, and look more so like even just one extra rep on one set compared to last week. Like this is still progression. Uh, I think you also need to consider the range of motion, uh, the, the technique of each rep. If you had better technique from this week compared to last week, that's still considered progressive overload because you're using the same weight, the same reps, the same sets, uh, but you're just controlling the weight better. And that's going to be, that's going to be huge for, um, uh, progressing, uh, sustainable progression over time. Um, another thing would be shorter rest periods. So if you're normally resting about 120 seconds per set, uh, in between sets, just try going up to, uh, or, or if you want to progress from week to week. So let's say you do 135 for eight reps on, uh, week one with 180 seconds. And then week two, you're going to do 135 pounds for eight reps, except with 120 seconds. Uh, so just shortening the rest period, but then doing the same, uh, uh, the weight, the sets, and the reps, that's going to be another form of progressive overload. Adding a pause in between reps, that's going to be another form of progressive overload. Uh, better mind-to-muscle connection. Uh, these are all things that you can do without adding weight to the bar, that are going to be considered progression. And you have to remember that progress is definitely not going to be linear. You've got to think if, if you could add five pounds to your lifts every single time you went into the gym, like your, your, the weight that you'd be able to lift over a five-year period would be absolutely ridiculous. So that's definitely something to consider as well. All right. Next one is from my boy, Ray Ray. Ray Ray asks, what are you currently drinking and is that your go-to drink? Um, my current drink that I'm drinking is some Blanton's, actually. Uh, I decided to pour a little bit of the good stuff for for this little drunk cast. And um, my go-to drink is not Blanton's because it's, um, I think, at least $100 a bottle. So, no, that's, that's not going to be it. Um, my go-to drink is probably... Uh, a Woodford Reserve, 
bourbon and Diet Coke is really good, but I'm also a big fan of a Kentucky Mule. And uh, a Kentucky Mule is the same thing as a Moscow Mule, except you don't use vodka, you use bourbon. Uh, so it would be bourbon, lime, ice, uh, and mint. And that would be your, your, your Kentucky Mule. Oh, sorry, and ginger ale. Oh, wait, ginger beer. Sorry, wow, I'm... Whew. So, ginger beer, lime, ice, bourbon. Moscow Mule. Not Moscow Mule. Kentucky Mule. Holy fuck. All right, next question. <laughs> Here we go. If you could get $100 million by gaining 100 pounds, but you had to stay at that weight forever, would you do it? No, I absolutely wouldn't. <laughs> it's just... No, I, I'm I'm not going to. So I'm I'm about 200 pounds. I would be 300 pounds walking around. I just I could not. I could not do it. I'm 5'10. It's it's not happening. I would I would just be unhealthy and I wouldn't be okay with that. Uh, all right, Jeremy from Winnipeg, Canada. First off, can we just recognize real quick how cool it is? that I've got fucking people from Winnipeg, Canada, asking me questions. A random fucking kid from Kentucky about, his question is about after he had an ankle surgery seven weeks ago, um, he couldn't put any weight on it for six weeks and now he's able to slowly transition to weight bearing with a boot on. Previously, he was trying to gain muscle mass, but after the surgery, he lost a lot of muscle because he was bedridden and he had no appetite. Uh, how do you adjust training nutrition now that he's able to get back into things? Um, here's the thing about injuries. The thing about injuries is that you have to focus on your recovery from the injury as hard as you would focus on your training and nutrition if you were 100% healthy. It's just people don't think about how important it is to recover from this injury and they'll try to work around it. They'll try to work through it. They'll, they'll try to do whatever, but it's just making things worse. Obviously, I'm not necessarily talking about this dude because he's got fucking ankle surgery. So it's not the same as some guy just whatever. He fucked up his hip or shoulder or something and he's still benching and squatting anyway. Uh, but yeah, you have to make sure that you focus on this recovery uh, with 100% of your attention. And I think you also have to start very, very small, uh, especially with, with the boot on. Um, I'm definitely no physical therapist, so obviously you'll be working with a physical therapist for this. Uh, but starting with, with things like steps, like how many ste steps you can take, uh, or even just the amount of pressure on your foot uh, on a daily basis, that's going to be small things that are going to allow you to uh, maybe recover from that a little bit faster as opposed to just being completely sedentary and not moving it at all. Again, I'm not a doctor or physical therapist, so I could be completely full of shit. However, uh, what you should do is you should work on the opposite leg. Uh, weird enough, there is some research on this about working out with the opposite leg that is injured or the opposite arm, and you're still going to be able to retain some strength and muscle from the opposite limb. So yeah, definitely make sure that you work on the opposite leg. And 
Another big thing, uh, this might not necessarily apply to you because you have a boot on, but as you progress and you're, you're able to actually lift weights um, uh, with that leg, something to consider whenever you're injured is slow eccentrics. So obviously you can't use tons of weight whenever you're injured, but one thing you can do is use lighter weight, but then slow down the eccentric. So the lowering portion of the lift, uh, maybe consider doing like three to four second eccentrics on each lift on every single rep, even possibly pausing at the bottom uh, and then starting on the, the concentric of the movement. This is just small things that you can still do to inflict muscle damage on the muscle without increasing the weight. So if you are injured, I would highly recommend to uh, slow down the eccentric, add a pause, uh, and this will just make the exercise harder without adding the weight. Another thing that you can do is work heavily on your upper body. You you should be good to go with, with most things with your upper body, even with a boot on. So I don't think anything should change too much there. But as far as, as far as nutrition goes, it's going to be your basic stuff. I feel like honestly. Um, so of course, making sure that you consume enough protein on a daily basis. Uh, I would aim for, uh, depending on your body fat, I would I would make sure that you aim. I would think, honestly, even whenever you're injured, I think aiming for a gram per pound is, is usually a good way to go. That's going to be a good uh, general guideline for you to follow. Uh, another thing would be to make sure you get enough sleep. That's obviously going to be a big one for recovery. Um and for supplements, honestly, you could maybe try like omega-3 fatty acids. I feel like they can help with inflammation and just joints and just shit in general. I just I feel like it's good for recovery. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I definitely know it wouldn't hurt. Uh, also, I would consider taking vitamin D. As we know, vitamin D is, is good for bones and uh, shit like that. So taking 1,000 to 5,000 IU of vitamin D per day can be helpful. And make sure you listen to your doctor. I think that would be the, the best thing that you can do. Uh, and also just easing back into things. Rushing into this stuff is, is not going to be a good idea. Trying to get excited about lifting and working out and stuff again is, is only going to set, back, set you back if you try to push too hard too quickly. So make sure you ease back into things and just really try and think long term on this because you really want to heal up before... Um, uh, you you end up hurting yourself again. That's a good question, though. Um, all right, next question. How many first graders could you take in a fight? And I, I cracked up whenever I read this question because I'm hoping this is a reference to Family Guy whenever Peter uh, actually asked them how many, asked his friends how many fourth graders they could take in a fight. And... My answer would be the same as Peter's is, uh, and it is that I would get into a bathroom stall and kick them as they came in. So every time I first, I would, I would make sure that, because that way they have one funnel coming into me. They're only in front of me. So I could, I could brace myself against the walls of the bathroom. And every time they come in, I could just kick them right in the face. Uh, and I can kick pretty hard. So I would say until I got tired uh, is how many first graders I could take in a fight. And then they would just kind of dogpile in on me. And then who knows, I'd probably hit my head on the wall or something like that. But 
but uh, they probably bite me and shit. But I, I don't know. I would I would have to get in a bathroom stall and I would kick them, every single one of them. All right. <laughs> Next question. Uh, this one's from Troy. Uh, this is from my boy Troy. He's one of uh, he's, I'm actually helping out him out some with his uh, coaching business, but uh, he asks. You just joined the team from the Fast and the Furious. What is your car of choice? Uh, this is a great question. And I would have to say, my answer would be a Audi R8. Ever since, I believe, Iron Man came out, I've been in love. I've been in love with the Audi R8. Uh, I would have it flat black. I would have black rims. I would have... Uh, light blue brake calipers, and it would be beautiful. That would be my car of choice. Uh, all right. Next question. What can someone do to make you automatically think, I don't like this person? I thought about this for a long time, and I think the main thing that popped out was how that person treats the waiter or waitress. Uh, so the help of the of the business, basically. How do they treat the secretary at the front desk, or if they're at the bank or something? The 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 first person they talk to, how do they treat them? I think that shows a, a lot about the person and how they think of themselves and how they think of other people. And yeah, I think that's that's the main thing that I think about. But also. Whenever they talk to you, are they speaking to you or are they speaking down to you? I think that's a that's a that's a very crucial uh, detail that needs to be uh, uh, considered whenever they're, they're talking to you. So, are they condescending whenever they're talking to you? Are they, or do you feel like a bother whenever you're talking to them? Things like that. Like I just, anytime isn't people aren't humble or they they think that they're better than other people's. That just really really really. Uh, grinds my gears. So, so yeah, I would, I would say that for sure. All right. We are towards the end here. Um, what's the best way to move on from mistakes in life or fitness? Oh man. Okay. This is a, yeah, this is a, this is a good one. I read these questions and I'm also like, I'm fucking 25. I mean, what, what I'm going to try and give my best life advice. I feel like I'm doing okay and shit, but who, who knows if I'm right or not? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know shit, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to give my best advice. And the best way to move on from, from mistakes is like, it's, it goes back to the stoicism approach. Essentially. It's just, what can you control in this situation? So you made a mistake. Okay. Like, now what? Now, what are you going to do? What can you do about this mistake? The mistake happened, but but weeping or uh, uh, dwelling on it or, or making yourself feel, feel worse about it isn't going to be helpful. So you, you, you just, what can you do? You've got to focus. Okay, so you made a mistake. It's like, and what do you, what's, what comes next? That, that's the answer. What comes next? And also, you have to expect them to happen. Uh, mistakes are going to happen. Like It's almost like you have to consider all the worst variables that could possibly happen because 
that way, whenever they do come, it's, it's like, okay, like, well, it, that's fine. Even just in your life, like, what if everything got taken away? What if, what if, what if you became homeless or, or, or whatever? This is something really good to think about is like what, whenever you have anxiety or whenever you are really afraid about something or making a mistake, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, it's just these, like literally play it out step by step in your head. Uh, and, and that kind of whatever, uh, uh, negative visualization essentially, uh, can be helpful to, to prevent you from making those mistakes in the first place. So, uh, again, I would look up stoicism. Uh, I think it's great, but with mistakes, it's just like, what are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? All right. Next question. This is, this is the next to last question we're going to do. Yeah, that'll work. Do you think by doing a podcast, you're able to speak slash communicate better than before? Um, <laughs> if you're, if you're just listening to this one, you're probably saying no, but it's also because I'm a little bit intoxicated about this whole thing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, honestly, I, I really do. I think it makes me communicate better because I've learned to ask better questions and to truly listen to what people are saying. And I know that sounds weird, but actually listening to what this person is saying makes it much easier for me to ask better questions because just by listening to how they say something or the, the pauses between their words or uh, even better, if you can see their actual nonverbal cues like their face and their eyes in their mouth, uh, or, or things like that, that's going to be uh, huge, um, signs as to how that person is feeling about what they're saying. Um, and it can give you, it can give you plenty of cues on how to be a better communicator. But I think what's highly underrated for speaking better and for talking better is reading and writing. You've got to think, Whenever you're, whenever you're writing something, it's whenever, whenever you're writing something, it's essentially articulated thoughts on paper because you're not just going to write out a bunch of gibberish. You got to think about it in your mind. You can have gibberish going on all the time. You can have just a bunch of chatter, but on the paper, you have to write coherent sentences and, 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 uh, uh, syntax and, uh, you have to not include grammatical errors. It's, it's articulated thinking, uh, except in a physical form. And, and I think that, that reading and writing and reading is just kind of the, uh, prerequisite to writing because it allows you to think differently. Uh, it allows you to see how other people that you admire, write their voice, how they, uh, how they write in general, their sentence structure, uh, again, their syntax, their syntax, their grammar, um, the words they use, all that kind of stuff. I, it's 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 all important. But yes, speaking to people in a uh, structured but unstructured manner, like I'm doing, uh, it does. It, it's definitely going to improve my skills because I have to make sure that I think about uh, what the person wants to talk about next, what I want to talk about next, and what I think that the audience wants to talk about next too. Uh, so I've got to make sure that it flows well. And that's, that's what the podcast makes me do. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, but I, I enjoy the hell out of it, to be honest. I really do. Um, all right, 
The last question here is if lifting three times per week is full body a good option? I would say 100% yes. That's usually with the with the people that I work with. Uh, if they are going to lift three times per week, I usually do full body three times per week or if they don't give a shit as much about their legs, I'll do upper, lower, upper. Uh, and that just allows them to... Because you got to think about it. If you're only lifting three times per week, do you think it's really necessary to, uh, or do you think it's optimal to just do whatever, chest and shoulders one day, legs the next day, and then um, uh, back and arms uh, the day after that? It's just, you're, you're only hitting each one of those muscle groups one time per week. And even if you kill it on those days, there's going to be seven days until you hit that uh, that muscle again. And you're, you're just going to get in a lot more quality volume if you break it up into full body, full body, full body, or upper, lower, upper. Or if you want to emphasize your lower body, you do lower, upper, lower. Uh, it just allows you to hit the muscle more frequently and with better volume. Uh, meaning that if you do, uh, Let's say, let's say you on one day you do eight or let's say you do um, 12 sets of legs. Uh, by the time you get to the, that ninth, 10th, and 11th set of legs, you're going to be pretty fucking tired. But if you would decide to switch that, those 12 sets up between three days as opposed to one day. So Monday you did uh, four sets, Wednesday you did four sets, and then Friday, you did four sets, you're going to be much stronger and have much more quality volume uh, each day if you split those 12 sets up into four days. So that's why I think rec recommending a, a full body um, split every single day when lifting three times per week, because you're only lifting three times per week. So you want to get as much out of every session as possible. Um, that's, that's going to be key. Uh, all right, man, that's, uh, let me get, let me get a last little sip here. That's it. That's going to be the end of this little drunk cast. And, uh, this was, this was really fun. Actually, it, it, I tried to, I had, I had some notes up. I had some things written out and I, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't sound like a complete idiot. Uh, but I had a lot. I had a lot of fun doing this. And like I said in the beginning, I started this motherfucker like three times because I was really trying to get it together in the beginning. But I, we're, we're here. We're, uh, um, we're at the end. And um, <laughs> honestly, I'm just trying to figure out a way to end this. I didn't, it's funny, whenever, you, whenever I think about these podcasts and put them together, like I think about the beginning and then I think about the, what, the questions and answers, but then I didn't think about how I would end this. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that for everyone who submitted a question, I want to say thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Like it really, in the beginning stages of these podcasts, anybody that is even still listening up until this point, uh, I just really want to say thank you because I know the podcast isn't huge right now. We're, we're doing good uh, since, since we started, but I just know that I'm ready to put in the long haul for this this 
this fucking podcast. I'm ready. I'm ready for for episode uh, like 600. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for for four years, five years down the road. Uh, whenever I've got a, a decent fan base with this and I'm just really excited for people to come back and listen to this episode and hear that and be like, oh yeah, man, that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, I'm just really thankful for for anybody listening to this and for anybody that, that, that fucks with my stuff and that gets benefit from the, the dumb shit that I say uh, on this type of stuff. But but yeah, thank you for everyone who submitted questions. Thank you for everyone listening. Thank you for everyone who's supported me along the way. And uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do this again. I, this is this was fun. Uh, and if you still have a question uh, that I didn't get to, or if you you still have a question that you didn't get to before this aired, please hit me up. I'm I'm always available. Hit me up on Instagram at Matt McLeod six, or send me an email at Matt at mccloudconsultingservices.com um, and I will help you out there. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, and if you listen this far, please send me a message uh, and just say that you listened to it and, and let me know your feedback. Um, all right. You guys have a great night. It's 12.15 a.m. and I think it's time for me to go to bed. All right. See ya.